<laughs> I wrote, Nintendo dares you to dream because here your dreams come true. I just cried. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> what do you? You're, you know, there's so many places where you can't hope for something, right? But yeah. with Nintendo, you can hope for something. You can dream about something, you know, as a kid or whatever. That seems like a very natural segue into what we're talking about now of not being able to hope for anything because the world is slowly coming to an end. <laughs> and to second that, this week on Dialogue Wheel, oh, we heard the news that one of the largest corporations in the world, basically like one of the recognized like faces of video games, traditionally and even in modern day, Microsoft is flush with cash. They've cut down a lot of their prices and uh, their um, market share because they want to have that money to buy new companies. There is a rumor put forth through a Polygon article that's been substantiated by a few other gaming sites that suggests that Microsoft is looking for some big acquisitions. How big? We're talking EA. We're talking Valve, which owns all of Steam and corporations like PUBG, maybe in some indie studios because they have an exclusive game problem. This week on Dialogue Wheel, we will be discussing Microsoft and the case against further monopoly. I have been in the video game industry talking about it for about a decade. We have Mr. Zach Fanny here as well, a professor of humanities here in the city of Toronto who has uh, had a focus on media and has been my partner with this for a real long time. And evening it out, we also have Callie Lang, uh, artist and member of the VGS team that is our connection to the video game world. Thank you all for coming. Why do we think that the move of buying out everyone else will hurt us all? Was well, a case, I think, like this is a microcosm of the case against all monopolies forever and always, right? Which is that as soon as one company acquires enough capital and, and property, uh, they won't be beholden to the free market that everyone likes to tout as being fair in its competitive nature. And it's just going to churn out the same gaming pablum uh, to all corners of the market. It's going to flood the market with, with garbage. And soon, you know, the expectations for games will be so low that we'll just be playing, you know, Destiny 25. Uh, hey. with fractional differences <laughs> you know uh, and we won't have you know what remains of edith finch uh in those kind of games uh out there because every once you have a, a monopoly with a company this vast every piece of art is going to be subsumed into that market logic of how can we wring as much profit out of it as possible mm -hmm. uh, without any care about artistic vision or artistic endpoint or at least it, it's not even the the main concern, which as we've learned with a lot of the games that have come in the last year, unless that is your main concern of what is this game trying to tell, then it's going to fail. We look at what happened with Star Wars Battlefront in comparison to like the brilliance of, let's say, uh, Mario Odyssey or something like that. A game that took a long time to create, but was made with some clear artistic intentions behind it. And, and with Nintendo is such an interesting example because they talked about... Um, maybe it was you sent me that article where they talked about the switch. Uh, it, it might've been in Jacobin where they, it was a company that was like, yeah, it was, it was okay. Uh, it's very clear. They're okay. Taking a loss for a few years to invest in the idea of the switch because they had the, what was it? The Wii U with the, um, the screen and whatnot type of console that failed flat out. Um, and they said, no, 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 this is our vision for the console. And we're going to pursue it uh, at a loss and it paid off. You know, bigly as <laughs> bigly you know, as we try to use every week yeah, here yeah. on dialogue wheel. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and so that like you can and with smaller companies like it paid off artistically. Smaller. Like it paid off um, artistically on the one hand, and also financially. I think there was an announced this week 
Yeah, the Switch sold more Switches than the Wii U has been sold. And every and game the that they've turned <laughs> out has been to universal acclaim. Mm-hmm. And, like, and, and it's not to say that, you know, every amazing piece of art will always be successful in the market. Like, I don't want to tie those two things together, but it is, you know, a safe bet. And it's it's something that you can, you know, put in the market. If it's of a certain quality, it's going to do well, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you have an established fan base. It's just that for a, uh, you know, for a large company, when they put out... Um, any kind of game it has to hit a certain benchmark that small games can never hit like it did you see the star wars last jedi th- discussion where it made it's like the ninth highest yeah. move of all I time but all the something. headlines are how yeah. it failed but yeah. disney yeah, but yeah disney said we needed to, to, to do this much better in china and internationally which mm-hmm. it didn't and so it's considered a failure which is mm-hmm. insane so imagine taking tiny movies or tiny games and putting them against this abstract metric which is just tied to shareholder like share value as opposed to like actual just looking yeah just looking at you know how much you've made based upon uh, you know compared to your budget um like it's just that's the thing with these large companies they're just taking this abstract arbitrary logic that doesn't make any sense to the material world um of how these games put, are played too it doesn't make yeah. sense to how they're experienced or even how they're created and so now it's going to be this weird bizarre world where successful games will be seen to be failures so they make one billion dollars instead of one and a half <laughs> Um, and it's just going to, you know, push well, I see it worse than more that predatory. Too. I see it worse well, than I think- that. I think it'll be, we'll let you get in there, Kelly. I just want to eat up the crumbs that Zach left here. Because I think it's also the, the fact that not only will they always have to be profitable, because most of these corporations still operate on that kind of metric so that they will get investors because they need like 20 to $30 million to make games. We all live in this venture capitalist hell world. But they're going to change it now where games will not only need to make money now, we've seen this with third-party studios, but they need to make money forever. And if we need games to make money forever, they need to become products that consistently require maintenance, that consistently require people killing themselves for instead of three years for up to 10 to make sure that Destiny remains a product that works. And we have not seen something work with this new dynamic, these new rules that are coming in. That's the problem we had with Anthem last week. It's the industrial equivalent of having people on the factory line making shoes and you have to keep bringing the shoes you bought back for that factory worker to keep working for and making them better. The company keeps, and keep yeah, making keeps them better. taking your money. Like, oh, yeah, if these yeah. shoes make you fly. Well, listen, they got to make us swim next. I don't know how to do that. Like, that's it's just going to increase income inequality and I don't, uh, I don't, yeah, decrease the quality of the product. I don't know about that product. because I think oh, keeping yes, a game can be, you know, like World of Warcraft has been doing that for a while and they're still fine. Um, but they also started but, in, in a time when their graphical requirements were much more limited. Like, they, I think they did that in almost the right time period we're not talking about a destiny that costs, you know, a hundred million dollars to make and has people working on it for three years because it's such a complex thing. These are some pretty simple polygons that they just kind of built on time. It seems like that happened naturally, whereas these companies want to kind of front end load the WoW model into every game, and I don't think every game can be like WoW in twenty eighteen. Yeah, that's the problem is that they're gonna take that, you know, oh, this works, and now we're gonna now copy paste that. I think it depends um, because obviously, you know, it can it can be done. All right. But I mean, where can it be done? All right. Where can it be done? All right. No, no, wait. uh, Okay. So (laughs) you were you were saying before that that uh, the games will all, you know, be homogenous and Mm -hmm. and fit this archetype, which I agree with. Um, But I still think it's interesting because so it's going to be like almost like a post-apocalyptic weird 
setting where it's not post-apocalyptic but we're already um, there man (laughs) but you know you're gonna have this saturation of all these homogenous like very archetypical games triple a games and there's not going to be much variety except you know the ones that are different because i don't think that it'll actually stop things from being different like the reason Mm -hmm. why nintendo succeeds is because they try and take risks and do interesting things and i think there will be like an uprising of indie games because people still enjoy that but it'll be (laughs) it'll be the purge i think i think let's go for this uh who's the ceo that we just mentioned makes a hundred million dollars a year i think we'll (laughs) what no callie brings up a good point because you look at like the movies that were nominated if we want to use that as a parallel versus the movies that were most successful those almost never nominated for oscars those almost never coalesce right like there's still some great art like the world of Mm. movie making disney bought lucas arts and moonlight still exists the florida project still exists exists even though but that's a huge yeah but if you talk to like uh what's her name patty jenkins and other indie traditional indie filmmakers are saying the bottom has fallen out from the indie market where no one's even reading like she said before she directed wonder woman no one was even reading the movies that she wanted to make because there was no market for the indie movie um and so yeah these things still exist but they're kind of the exceptions that prove the rule right like you're, you have moonlight and you have the Florida project you don't have moonlights like out there in the market and you know even like in art artsy more indie movies that are, are doing really well critically have big actors in them like they're not that indie um and compared to their budget they are making you know a, a ton of profit like they're doing very very well comparatively um so it's you know and as disney keeps buying up and buying up you know intellectual property and, and com- media companies we're just gonna see like we, we've both been in that room andy with the with the disney press previews and they have you know what ostensibly seems a very wide variety of of art artworks to show but they're becoming more and more streamlined and it, like that's going to happen inevitably right like even not out of have... malice just out of practicality because they've yeah. kind of overextended themselves and i think that's what microsoft yeah. that's what, that's the biggest issue here is that i don't know microsoft even though they are a major corporation so they do have some evil morals at their center i don't think it would necessarily be done to hurt the art form it would be done out of necessity because how do you explain to these investors that oh we just bought all these companies but wait you know we're six months out and all of the ea, EA products are doing worse than they were last year or something like that because they're trying to make them better there's no i don't see there's uh, there being any opportunity here where microsoft gets their hands on these corporations uh these developing outfits and any of the games become better i don't see that ever happening right yeah that's exactly what we mean when we say like the 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 market logic and, and capital itself is corrosive it's not people that people want money it's it's just that that model is corrosive like once you if you're a company like microsoft that has you know whatever like hundreds 100 plus billion dollars to throw around 130 that, billion to buy. 130 billion just to throw around that means your your kind of benchmark for success is so high and it keeps increasing that it's your, your the standards for your success are just going to go through the roof which means you're going to keep corrosively buying up and taking everything and trying to crush it into profitability force it into you know that that model and it's going to hurt the artwork like that's that's what why capitalism is so evil because it, it necessitates everyone s- s- 
scrounging as much profit out of every aspect of life mm-hmm. as they can, and that's going to hurt the things that you subsume into that into that system. So it's no individual per se, you know, being evil. It's just mm-hmm. the fact that to be viable in a market when you're a company of this size means you're going to have to crush things into fucking dust. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sick of seeing that across the board. We look at the indie markets that have grown in the last five years. If you look at the games, I think all of us here have loved indie games as much, if not more, than a lot of the triple A titles. Absolutely. And, and many times those are made sure. those are made by one, maybe two or three people that are just committed to one art form. They they might kill themselves for it, but they're doing it not necessarily to make almost in no circumstance are they doing it because they're trying to make money. It's because yeah, shout out to no sunlight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What remains of Edith Finch? Celeste, which people are absolutely, it's almost. Celeste is fucking amazing. It's almost a perfect Sucks. game. Fanny, you gotta, you gotta yeah, jump no, on this. Yeah, it literally is. It's like, incredible. It's, it's, uh, how would it's you describe amazing. it, Cal? Uh, Celeste. Celeste? Yeah, because it's almost oh, like, perfect. I can't believe yeah, how Yeah, no, it's, it's actually like almost perfect in game design wise. Like, even for me, as, as someone who loves, like, you know, looking out for this stuff, like, this game is like nearly perfect for everything Mm -hmm. that i want like i love uh the way you know the ui is where there like isn't really any ui but the way they tell you what you're doing and how to do things um you know with a stamina being like visual like everything's visual and Mm -hmm. everything is taught through the game and it shows you how to do stuff i don't know it's just uh, it's 2d it's a 2d platformer right is how you that's it it. yeah Yeah. (laughs) i looked at it and i saw the pixelation i was like "Mm, yeah not today oh fanny i'm telling you but with this yeah maybe now no no take a second look see that's that's the only thing that could happen is they take someone like celeste and make it look pretty and the one in a million chance that it won't lose i switched my whole argument it's worth it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so uh yeah, anyways, these these indie games that we've all really, really love that have just like knocked us on our asses and made me be so excited that I want other people to play games because of it. I've liked a lot of AAA titles, but none of them have been ones where I've wanted to say to my girlfriend, Sky, like, oh no, you gotta see this, you know? It's always just been, you know, this is something fun, me and Fanny will play, but you you consume it and it's gone. These indie games stay with you, and I think that it And you, you interviewed a lot of those people too, which is another interesting aspect to this where if we have a giant company that just monopolizes the the industry more like getting access to the actual artists and and whatnot is gonna is not gonna happen we're just gonna have you know the pr talking heads emerge and it's going to just take this rich diverse heterogeneous system and make it into just like plain paste that we just have to eat because at least it's better than not facing the real world of scare imposed scarcity maybe, and inequality. Maybe what'll happen is that the garbage is gonna be there and then people are gonna realize that it's that plain ass pace that they don't want to eat and then they have to invest in other things like Yeah. Uh, that's the accelerationist the kind of idea, right? Like we're gonna destroy it so much that yeah. there's going to be a boomerang <laughs> In the other direction, they'll be, be the Trump of games, so that everyone realizes, <laughs> "Oh crap, we have to stop." <laughs> like life yeah, is maybe, terrible, right? No, I, I, you know, obviously, I don't want that to happen, but I do <laughs> think that if that happened, it didn't, it wouldn't take away from people making art. Like people will yeah. still people make these games because they want to, right? It's not really for the money. Like it's for, like you know, they yeah, they're hoping right. to get, they're hoping to make enough to like live and stuff, but it's not, it's <laughs> not. <laughs> but a, I gotta, I gotta stop great... here, Kelly, though, because there is one thing where I think, like, I agree with the hope 
of this reality. But if Microsoft bought something like Valve, which represents Steam and pretty much the entire way that I am able to access indie games and puts like some requirements on it, like we're even seeing this with YouTube after Google bought it, right? Like if you want to create art on YouTube, you will not get any financing unless you meet a certain quota. Yeah, exactly. Which is completely contrary to... that's because... What? of like google i think it's like youtube and well google owns like- google owns youtube so i think it's just like it's part of that corporate entity so i'm saying if microsoft owned steam there's a very real chance that these little indies made by one or two people that take our breath away could be you know not in the marketplace because they don't meet these new requirements because like fanny said everything that's purchased needs to continue making money in its own manufactured system. If it doesn't feed the beast, it'll be destroyed. And I'm really worried that that one little bit of hope that we grabbed onto in The Last Jedi, that little boy looking up into the stars and realizing (laughs) that like maybe there's some hope out there will be destroyed because Microsoft has decided to buy Steam. And and the power imbalance, right? Like if Steam is the primary way that indie filmmakers, like literally like sometimes one guy just making a game yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Game yeah. <laughs> indie game makers. They're all the same. Um, uh, you know, if this is their one avenue to get their game out there. Like they have no, like they have no power against this conglomerate. Mm-hmm. Like Microsoft can say, guess what? The cut we're taking is going to be even more now, right? Than mm-hmm. it is already. Like because you know this is we need to be more viable. And sorry if you can't make a game that's like you said with the YouTube uh, that mm-hmm. meets a certain benchmark of success. That's your fault. Like it's they have no reason other than their own weird mercy to treat um, the laborers who are making these products for them any more equitably and that's terrifying like we can't throw ourselves at the mercy of the market or of the monopolies that dominate them because then you know instead of just having our beloved art forms being ringed out and hollowed out for profit our very lives are going to be hollowed out for profit like they already fucking are so <laughs> well like, that might not the, necessarily if happen you're if, a game, if, if you're Microsoft buys Steam I don't awful. know if our very lives will be hollowed out for profit if you're a game maker yeah, it, it, yeah. I think it will be uh, you know that's that's the whole point it's like working for big companies fucking sucks well also making games uh, fucking sucks like we should you, talk about that hear, too <laughs> i mean did well, this you is gonna further those teddy? harmful patterns yeah what's that have you heard uh did you hear about teddy uh teddy deep i have no he, idea what those no. words are so he's the oh teddy deep he's uh the creator or one of the creators of um hyper light drifter oh cool and um oh. he got you know scooped up by square enix mm-hmm. and um, was working at Square Enix, Montreal, and he was like, you know, this is great. This is like his dream, right? That's, mm-hmm. you know, as like a, a game maker and someone who grew up with these kind of games and like was, you know, obviously inspired by that mm-hmm. stuff, um, getting employed by, you know, it was his dream, but they were working on a game that recently just got, you know, canned by Square Enix. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, he decided to, you know, leave Square Enix even though that was his dream to go back to making games you know wow. making indie games on his own so it's, it's a guy least, yeah. and that must be tough yeah. can you imagine what that would be like like if you if we love oh, Star Wars and then all of a sudden someone's like hey we want you to write a character and then you've spent your life doing this and all of a sudden you know you realize it's hell and you you have to leave that 
that's almost an impossible thing to ask these people because you're right at its core people that are talking about games like us people that devote their time to making games love it so much and love the people that and enjoy they can it too. taken advantage of because absolutely. they're going to now absolutely. invest their lives like their very being and well-being into products that they won't own mm-hmm. so i think there's like a leftist answer to this where you can have like a game makers collective or you know stronger unions or something where you they're trying to do that though like especially which, collectives yeah. there's a but real monopolies big are the, the so boot heel that that in... sit on the neck of these efforts right what were so, you saying cal sorry also, not so much money up at the top, and yes, just, you know, like that's a very help, that's help a very clear people. answer. <laughs> yeah, and also like yeah, and that way helping you know small creators create the things that they want to create. Mm-hmm. But to that point too, like yeah. you can do that much more in a small company. Like if, like if you're you know running Obsidian and you're leading Obsidian, you can say. I really believe in this vision and the, these team of creators. I'm going to take a pay cut, or I'm going to be oh, that's what they uh, did okay too. Okay, with a game making less money, so that we yeah. can actually fulfill the vision mm-hmm. if with a huge conglomerate like whether it's disney with star wars or microsoft with whatever they end up buying that's not going to happen because yeah. the, the, the further up the chain you go the less you care about the product as a product uh, or you, sorry you only care about the product as a product which means you only care about its uh viability in the market and how much money you can make i think that's so interesting because you bring up obsidian it is a great example of what happens when you try to excise yourself from conglomeration. Because if you remember um, 10 years ago or so, they were another AAA studio. They made the big games, Night Seal Republic right, 2 right. and Full at New Vegas. And with the example of Full at New Vegas, which I think is one of the most incredible games of all time, they were yep. pushed to a level to release things by Bethesda and the parent companies that had their you know hands on the checkbook <laughs> to create a game that was unfinished. And when they wanted to the make problem with New Vegas, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when, when they wanted to make games uh, that preceded that, that uh, the DLCs for it, which I think are the best uh, downloadable content in any sort of games, they were they were pushed again and again to make it fit a release schedule that they had to actually take a pay cut and uh, say no to. And they lost money, which is entirely abstract too. Yeah. Like not. Uh, that's a, just a yeah. trajectory. The idea that now in this big company, like, yeah, we're gonna, we have, you have to release things sooner because our other slated, separate, like, completely uh, separate yeah, yeah. Games different world, are going to be slated world. to resist later. Mm-hmm. So now they just everything becomes part of the same network, which you know harms the products themselves. Right? Yeah, like that's it, probably the biggest point yeah. of why this hurts everything. Is now all of a sudden the game needs to have value at a certain time because it's in a portfolio. And previously, exactly, exactly. previously, Fallout never had to do that. It was just about like, hey, let's go to this cool Black Mountain place and play around with yeah. these cool aliens or these robots that were back before the bomb went off and deal with humor in a game that we haven't you seen. You can't before. be Take Two either. Like Take Two, you know, takes its time, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See. Well, I well the big the I just want to get to that finish the Basidian point because they did all that. Yeah, sorry. And yeah. then they they made the decision to really push it back into the CRPGs, the classic RPGs, and use a Kickstarter model. And now they yeah. almost exclusively do that, and they operate now on budgets that were previously like upwards of a hundred million to now just a couple million. They're dealing with completely different amounts of money, but the people in the company are still making more because it's more equitable yeah. because it's something like Kickstarter where you can value people for yeah. the work. You don't have doing. to, f- you don't have to funnel it 
up 20 levels. Yeah, exactly. Know, there's no parasites that are sucking yeah, out yeah. like the, the money. There's no, you know, the post-parasites that are taking up all the money. That's why Game Makers Collective could really work on something like, like Steam, too. Like, there's so much potential here for, mm-hmm. you know, good old uh, socialist uh, gaming, uh, so <laughs> well, to speak. I mean, that was like green light, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. Steam Greenlight, Caleb, why don't you, for people that know that, is almost the perfect example of that socialist dream of when it comes to creating games. So it doesn't, I don't know if it's a thing anymore. I don't think it is. (laughs) (laughs) I I think they created something else uh, with like a higher um, acceptance rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because they're just too much. But I mean, it's to call out like the really, really shitty ones, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's like a fair way to do it, but. uh. There is a bottom. Like there is, yeah, there's, there's still like just. It's like the friggin' Flash game. Yeah. That. And even these AAA titles, like, I think if, if you may try to make big games in smaller companies, you might increase the time needed to make them, but you reduce a lot of the bloat. Because, um, yeah. like, you, you hear, like, Guillermo del Toro says this, where he says, like, I love making movies for, like, 20 million as opposed to 150 million because you're less um, you're less tied to corporate interests, right? And, yeah. and the need to churn a huge profit. And it actually creates a freer space. Mm-hmm. So I think if you, you know, removed a lot of the, the parasitic rot at the top of these companies um, and you have these smaller gaming companies that are more diverse, they can, like, actually create some, you know, really polished, excellent stuff um, that isn't, you know, so bloated and filled with, you know, re- repeated mechanics mm-hmm. and whatever, like, Ubisoft games are. Um that like push to the top, push to That's the top the other of the thing, market though, and like, the experience. There is like I agree with that, but there's also an advantage, an unfortunate advantage, because we're dealing with technology, with having revenues that are upwards of like or rather uh, budgets that are upwards of a hundred million dollars with something like a Ubisoft. Like I don't know if Assassin's Creed Origins could have been made by a smaller company considering how dense and like if we are dealing with just money for value obviously there's bloats like there's no way it needed to be that much but i do think that like these companies the the one great thing that triple a big development firms can do are really big big games and that's cool because you don't you can't always get that it's almost not feasible for a company like obsidian to make an assassin's creed and why not use the the take two model where they take like you know, years well, and I years agree. That, that was kind of where I was getting, but it's a good thing that oh. you cut me off before I got there because kind of took the wind out of my sails there. So now speak. we get to the real point. Here we go. But that, <laughs> yeah, that's essentially what I was going to say. That <laughs> that instead of, but even the issue with Take Two now is they've they've gotten again they got a little too greedy. They got a little too close to the flame with their GTA Five online stuff and realized, wait a second, why are we wasting all this money and cash making diverse, interesting stories with DLC? We can just make a subpar, hardly working online system that appeals to the worst in the gaming public still continue and take their money forever. So that's the disadvantage now. It almost seems like a company like Ubisoft is stuck in some ways because they could do the long, you know, three to four year uh, market strategy, but that won't continue making them viable unless they they have for honor. Yeah. Or they can. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. (laughs) Or they can make something like for honor. Oh, which got t- like just is getting destroyed uh, critically, especially now. But people are still playing, and they have more seasons because it's competitive. Apparently, there's a new season that they just released. So <laughs> really, it's just Interesting. like so. What like that's my question to you guys though. How does a company like that, which has a bottom and has a top, and almost needs to fit in this one middle, or else it'll kind of fall? How does it? 
kind of get better in every sense of the word, you know, get more equitable in how it creates games and just makes it's, games it's, that are better. Yeah. It's the answer for every company is give it to um, Zach Faney. Okay. All right. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's the same. It's a universal answer. Give more uh, money, give a more equitable share of, of profit to your laborers, um, cut the bloat at the top and reduce the need to subsume yourself to the corrosive market logic of having to churn and maximize profit at every quarter. Do the uh, do the Nintendo model of yeah. like, OK, we have a vision that we think and believe will work. And we have people like creative people that yeah. use talent we believe in. We're OK taking a temporary loss for a future game. That like, might not work for this company, trapped. though, like they don't have the Nintendo kind of um, result. You know, they don't have they don't have Mario. No. So you know? fragment into a bunch of smaller companies that can, you know, treat people more fairly and give us more interesting games. It does kind of make sense. Like if Ubisoft did get fragmented, you could still have people that like work together. I don't like that. It doesn't make sense that these corporations, these smaller game companies don't work together to make these big games. Like, why don't you have like Santa Monica and Ubisoft and other game studios like this just doing little pieces of a game that they can build they together? Want, they don't want to share their money. I guess that must be it because it seems like it would make more sense that people working there would have to like never see their kids and then you know live in their offices yeah. like it just yeah. it, i it, there is some greed here and it's it, what I, I don't know i'm sure there are unions somewhere in there i'm not quite sure but there should be like a universal union that like for me in the colleges there's a union that covers all, all colleges in yeah. ontario um even though we're you know technically competitors there should be like a game makers union yeah. that is just protecting them from these like terrible well, predatory to be practices care, to be fair in canada if you'd start to make games and you're interested in that there's a lot of resources that they they want to push towards you especially if yeah, you're we're starting of a, course better yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is you know something I mean, like that we're not perfect though, we are not oh we, no, 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 no no of course not but, except for us uh there's an interesting <laughs> article i wanted to touch on i think we kind of jumped the gun a little bit but it's from ben kuchera in polygon that has his opinion piece and i've always liked ben but i've argued with him a few times because he's very much kind of like the center view and for everyone that follows the video game industry he's very much seen as one of the more progressive voices and the article is Microsoft purchasing Valve would pay for itself in profits and power and basically he's he's musing that because Steam and Valve is uh, owned the majority share by one person, Gabe Newell, there's a real possibility that if Gabe wanted to do this and really wanted to focus on making games now and not being uh, a proprietor of a Steam service, he could, to the point that he would make billions of dollars likely, and focus on that one white whale of gaming, Half-Life 3. And it's kind of like <laughs> the old Star Wars joke that people laughed, that, that's the, the quote he has here. Star Wars was a joke too until Disney bought Lucasfilm through money and talent at bringing the franchise back and that seems to be going okay. Half-Life 3 has been a running joke in the video game yeah. industry for so long. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Uh, imagine if anything actually happened with it but mostly because Valve doesn't have much of an incentive to go back to the series. So my biggest issue with this as this voice of like progressive gaming is that he believes that this might get us these great games and it's not a quite like even this voice isn't trying to take the steps of saying wait a second no this would be terrible for new creators on steam like how much would this hurt yeah. people Half that are just starting doesn't, up doesn't fucking matter in the face of human well-being 
Like that's the no artwork does. Like yeah. that's the stupidest mm-hmm. argument to make. Is this the same fanboy logic we see with like Star Wars? Like you know, Disney's buying up everything left, right, and yeah. center, and they're just re- regurgitating you know our childhood back. But wait a second, Chewie's going to be there, so let's yeah. allow these people to. But be it's like, oh, well, we get to see Chewie again. It's like, <laughs> do you want? Do you really want that? Search deep into your soul. Search your feelings. Mm. You know, you know, I'm right. Well, I think a lot of people like, you're really removed from it, right? You don't get to see how the sausage is being made. And yeah. you're getting Chewbacca like on the backs of people who like <laughs> didn't see their sons be- and daughters be born. So. And also with the Steam example, we're heading back to video games. It kind of changes back to the idea that this would really just hurt progressive innovation. It would hurt the next What Remains of Edith Finch just because there isn't that same focus on creating games without them making money. And if Microsoft owns Steam, that will be much more of a focus. Absolute guaranteed. I think we all in agreement with that. Yeah. Even if Newell... Like, you're not, you're not the only one, Callie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean... Uh-oh. Yes, it'll 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 hurt. I don't I don't think that it'll stop people from making art again. Like I said before, but where will they go yeah, though? You know, hurt. yeah. Like where will but they even, go? Even New will having that it's much money that yeah. he has that much money and power to deter. Like that's the that's kind of indicative of the problem. Of this entire of, of capitalism and of gaming as a microcosm of that. Yeah. Like he shouldn't have that the ability to uh, that choose power and how that capital yeah because <laughs> this one person may have the yeah, ability yeah. to that choose rest in, the trajectory in the, in of other, all gaming yeah and other workers in valve that should be distributed a bit yeah. more equitably yeah and that's a big thing too is like it's not just money but money's important but it's ownership like mm-hmm. ownership should be redistributed and because gaming is a new medium it's still and you have these companies out there doing little companies doing quite well like it's really exciting because it could provide a model for companies mm-hmm. as a whole. Well, they kind of did. The Kickstarter Corporation, yeah. the idea of a more democratic yeah. way, kind of, it, it almost infused what Patreon is. Seeing people yeah. on Kickstarter create art and making that more democratic, and now we're seeing some problems with that, with, you know, like Nazis getting uh, 80 grand a, a month to keep talking about yeah. why, you know, the white race is superior. <laughs> so there, there, we do have some issues with this. The but dark professor. The dark professor himself, but... You know, I want to touch a little bit on what Callie was saying here, because we, you know, you and Isaac have been spewing about this for a while. You seem a little bit more on the fence here, Cal. No, I'm not on the fence. Like, I don't want them to. Do you have the same fear, though? Do you have the same worry or do you think because you seem to be resting on the idea that, like, don't worry, like life will find a way. (laughs) I mean, life will find a way. I mean, it's going to fucking suck for, you know, AAA games. Um, and we're going to get really shitty games, but I don't think that it'll stop. Do you think this will happen? No. Then... Do you think Microsoft nope. will do it? You don't think Microsoft <laughs> don't, will actually. do it? Okay, I'm not, why not? I'm not worried about it because I don't think it'll happen. Why not? They got that money, though. They, they're they liquidizing. They got that cash. They're going to do something. Um, it Maybe. I don't know. I don't think. I don't know if Valve would actually give that up. Yeah. Because, um, you know, Steam is like so iconic. I mean, maybe. I don't know. But I don't. I don't really think it'll happen. Why not? I I just I just don't don't think people that. think things <laughs> for reasons. <laughs> what is why is your brain thinking that? I I don't know. I don't think. Uh, oh, good. I don't think Valve would do that. I don't think like Steam would give up their power for mm-hmm. Microsoft and for money. Maybe they might, but I don't think that they would. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they could have already done that with Half-Life 3 or whatever, right? Like They could have already done what? 
uh, cashed in on a lot of different things. Yeah. And you know, I don't know if Microsoft will have enough money to make them want to cash in on this. Mm, that's what people thought about LucasArts, right? And then they were able to, they looked at the money just with, uh, what was it, with the last movie release, Disney's already made back the money I mean, that they Steam did initially. Steam holds like literally all of PC gaming, right? They are the most powerful. Whereas like, yeah. I mean, LucasArts is like, you know, they hold Star Wars, which is, a great film series from what i've heard <laughs> all right Kel. i've only seen turkish star wars all right but, um... oh jesus we know you're cool Callie. <laughs> calm down yeah i've definitely never saw any of those new movies yeah ones. no never never i definitely don't have any star wars tattoos so <laughs> yeah well i guess you have a good but, point maybe that's yeah go ahead yeah like like star wars is one series right that's mm. like someone buying out one game company or one yeah. game but Literally, this is like buying out the whole movie. And it's like buying out, yeah, like the whole movie industry. It's like the <laughs> action the whole... movies almost. It's like, you <laughs> know, it's more than that. You're right. It's like buying out movies that have like actors in it. And then you can do other movies that are CGI or something like that. <laughs> but now yeah. one company owns and you can put your other movies there. But remember, they are going to have the Microsoft logo on it because they still own it. I think that's, yeah. That's that's why this is this article from Brian Couture really upsets me because it, it 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 really plays down how dangerously affecting this power move could be. And it doesn't matter that Microsoft would make its money back or that it would have power. It matters that they would have a true monopoly on creativity on almost the video game industry if they may if if two people if like literally that's why this is so scary because Gabe Newell and the CEO of Microsoft individually could have a conversation and 10 years from now we could live in a completely terrifying world. That's the consolidation yeah, of power see, that stops I, everything. See, I don't know. Like, what's going to happen is if that... That doesn't if, scare you? I'm about to no, run here, out of no, here. No, 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 listen. If Microsoft bought Steam, it would become the, the Microsoft store, like, shitty and unusable, right? And then no one would use Steam anymore, and they'd all move over to, like, Itch or something, and then Itch would suddenly become, like, the big Steam, and then the, all the indie games are there, and they're cheap, and you can buy them, and shit like that, right? It's just... it's. Some people are will they will you know they will fall through the cracks, but it'll rebuild itself somewhere else that's more reliable than this shitty now you know Steam, which is mm -hmm. the Microsoft Store. Oh man! Anyways, like this... it's, if yeah, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. No, no, you're you want to finish? No, I, I, I I'm not too worried about. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I it it would suck. No, I honestly would very much grieve the loss of Steam <laughs> because Steam is amazing, and you know. It would it would freaking suck. Well, okay, but... here's here's the last question for everyone here because you know Microsoft is still a company that's trying to make games. It's trying to make money first, but it's also trying to make games. They have an exclusive game problem. They're selling consoles. They have a lot of money. You know, let's let's give them a little advice so that they don't completely rot out everything that we love in the video game industry. If you could give Microsoft some advice on what they could do that they could still, you know, be a little competitive because ultimately this could be a good thing if we steer them in the right direction. If we pat them on the head and say, like, listen, there's something you could do here that would make you competitive where you don't have to destroy everything. There's got to be, you know, what do you, can you guys think of anything? Because I think we touched on it before. Um, uh, commit corporate harikari and then <laughs> uh, jumpstart, you know, uh, universal healthcare for all in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah, we don't do that anymore. Just get into yeah. <laughs> Microsoft, get into other other stuff. You know, go, right, well, go into other I'll other give things. that money no, to all the countries whose GDP you outrank. 
All right. So let's, I'll, <laughs> well, I'll give an example. Know, uh, <laughs> if you will. I think the one thing they could do, and Zach, you touched on this before. I was throwing you an easy hard ball card. there. <laughs> hard card. No, that you could adopt more of a Nintendo model that you could agree mm-hmm. that it's okay. You have all this money right now. Don't invest in buying corporations that are already making games. Reinvest in making new corporations, new developer outfits that are going to reach out and create indie games for one and also yeah. relive those franchises that that people loved. Make Halo something that is not just the Malbatos that we have today. Make it something yeah. truly special that can transcend. Make it make it perfect like it first was when it was released to kind of introduce these new mechanics. And don't worry about one CEO losing his job. Worry about Xbox yeah. still being relevant 50 years from now. And I don't and think anyone's doing that. And paying your laborers properly. Well, yeah, I guess that's important too. Yeah. So that, capital also, ownership. that also helps with quality of game as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you exactly. know, I was thinking about that actually. And, you know, obviously the model stuff for sure would help, I think, mm-hmm. help Microsoft in some way. But it's really interesting because you do see Microsoft trying to hit certain markets, but failing because mm-hmm. they don't have it. Like they've tried to make like indie games and they tried to do, you know, they they had Ori and uh, and the Blind Forest uh you know, Ooblets is coming out on Xbox. Um, they they have tr- they're trying to reach out to the indie market, but it tend it's seeming. <coughs> there was another game too. Uh, I can't remember the name. Uh, it had a, it, there was a fox. In Super it. Lucky's Tale. I have a yes. a code for it right on my desk that I have not since used. Ooh, Apparently, it's pretty uh, good. You're part of the problem. No, it it, it looks great, yeah. you know, and they're they're trying to scoop up these indie games. But what's happening is that these indie games are just becoming like, you know, like, oh, that really good looking indie game is on Xbox, so I won't get to play it. Mm, that's kind of right. Instead of instead of being like, oh, you know, let's move over to Xbox because they're doing indie games because they're not mm-hmm. right. They're still not. They're not yeah. focused on something. They I think. It's kind of like it's a faux focus. It's not real by any chance. They're they're trying to cash in without actually be a part of it. And that's Mm. interesting too because that's a visibility issue. It's like even if we have pockets of resistance and alternative games and alternative ways of making games, if they're not visible, it doesn't matter, right? If there are Mm -hmm. codes that are going to sit in the ether without being used, um, like it it won't matter. The effect will be the same. So it's just about... You know, sharing or using Microsoft using their position to bolster the visibility yeah. and viability yeah. of Fuck different yeah. companies Vinny, and artworks. You got it. You you guys have made this all work. They spend hundreds of millions of dollars on absolutely insensitive, sexist, and idiotic marketing campaigns. Why don't they take some of that money, get some real people that know how to do this yeah. and say, like, hey, we are now the company that will make the most incredible indie title you've ever played. It's what remains of Edith yeah. Finch, but something that is Low more overhead, accessible. overhead, you know, yeah. new, like, it's just... But get it out there the so people see that success. instead yeah. of, like, the new Madden or something and you, like that. Yeah, and use Microsoft's platform that when you're done making it, you can now distribute it to more people than you ever could before. Boom, boom, That's boom. the one positive thing about these companies is that they're hugely visible. Mm-hmm. So you could use that to the benefit of of workers and art and humanity, really. 
You're less yeah, at the end of the day. Yeah, let's get some yeah. less words because we're, we're stretching this a little bit. And if anyone's listened this long about us uh, screaming about capitalism, then you get you, that unused code. Yeah, you get. Yeah, clearly, if you comment that you want uh, Super Lucky's tail, please do so hey, on this YouTube video. Oh, well, Callie's got oh, well, it. First comment. Oh, wins. first comment. Yeah. Looks like Callie's getting it. All right. Last last uh, last word, please, on Microsoft. Now, uh, the idea, the resolution rather that Microsoft and the case against uh, further monopoly. Uh, yeah, Fanny, why don't we let you do a little last word here? Well, like I said before. Oh, you said, I mean, okay, perfect. Yeah. Uh, and I did, yeah. <laughs> it's a word, Fanny. It's a word. Monopolies are evil. They're, they only exist because our system is completely broken and turns human potential and human lives into absolute ash. Um, I don't want to see this happen in the, the realm of gaming. I think gaming can not only offer new forms of art, but also new modes, uh, new models of how to make art mm-hmm. effectively uh, and equitably. And I want to step in that direction. And monopolies, by their very nature as being beholden to this capitalist system, cannot step in that direction. Mm-hmm. And so this is unequivocally, unequivocally um, an evil and terrible step. <laughs> Inequivocably. Inequivocably. <laughs> no, what's that line from Princess Bride? Oh, God. What does he say? Indubitably. Yeah. Is it indubitably? No. Oh, God. I feel bad. I don't remember it. Does anyone know? Does anyone know? Does anyone know? Oh. I would if I wasn't under pressure. Oh, God. <laughs> no. Callie, any idea? I mean, what? Uh, no. What, do you, what is your final word there, Callie? Uh, listen to Fanny. Inconceivable. <laughs> all right, yes. all right, guys. And to end it off with her saying, "Listen to Fanny." Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs>